we thank you that, that we have freedom in him. Father, I ask that as we look at your fourth commandment, we would see it as a means to freedom and a means to joy, a means to life. We thank you that you have promised true rest in Jesus. And we ask that you'd open our, our hearts and our minds to receive this commandment with joy, to obey it wholeheartedly for the joy that's set before us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, we, are, we are moving through the Ten Commandments, looking at how the commandments become promises through Jesus. And today we are on the fourth commandment, the fourth commandment, which is that, that one day of the week we are to not work, but are to rest. And by our rest, we are to sanctify this day and, and devote it to the Lord. All right, so this is, uh, this is probably officially the, the most controversial of the, of the Ten Commandments. And it usually, it usually divides people into two groups. The first group is the one that, this is a law. This is a law. You, you cannot work on this day. This is a day for the Lord. All right, and then the other group, the other group is saying that, no, no, the, the work has been done in Christ. And we have freedom, we have freedom from this law, from the ceremonial law, from this obligation to rest. That we can work, we're free to do so. Now, my hope is that we can find a third option here. That both of these are, groups are, are receiving the commandment a certain way, they're receiving it. As law, they're receiving it as duty, they're receiving it as an obligation. And that the whole point of this commandment was to escape from work and obligation and demands and to find joy in rest. That if the Sabbath is not received with joy, if it is not received as a celebration of what God has done, then we haven't really obeyed this commandment. That you cannot work, but you can fail to actually keep this commandment in the heart of it. So, we live in a, we live in an exhausted society that kind of jumps between these extremes of, of working ourselves to death and then entertaining ourselves, kind of entertaining the minds out of ourselves, if that's, you could say that. They were, oh, we were constantly trying to escape from something. We're escaping from work, we're escaping from rest. Um, my hope is that in Christ we can find something better. That this day, this Sabbath day, can be a great joy. So today we're going to look at uh, what the heart is behind the Sabbath. Kind of a third way between these two options. And finally, how Jesus, how Jesus gives us an ability to rest on this Sabbath day. So, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verse 8. Verse 8. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. All right, here's some flipping, here's some flipping. Read with me, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
All right. So first of all, what's the heart of God in this commandment? What's the heart of God? So we've already looked at three commandments. And these first three commandments, they're kind of used to distinguish God negatively. So the three things that are, that are battled in the first three commandments are things that all the other ancient cultures did. That's, it's how they worshipped their gods, and, and God wasn't going to have anything of it. So, our God said that he wasn't going to stand for polytheism. He wasn't going to be one God among many. He was going to be the God, the one and only, that he, he receives exclusive worship. All right, all the other gods, they were worshipped by graven images through statues and through, through representations of God. And he said, no, no, I want you to worship through my son, through the ultimate image, Jesus Christ. And I don't want you to just take my name so that I, you can control me or so that you can vaguely worship me. If you're going to take my name, you're going you're to take my name to, to glorify me, to reflect my whole nature. All right, so distinguishing from all the other ancient religions... But this fourth commandment, the fourth commandment, God does something different. God does something new. That nowhere else in the ancient world is there anything like the fourth commandment. There's no, there's no command to rest among the ancient peoples. That this was something that was unique, a positive commandment, meant to set apart Israel from all others. It was actually one of the, one of the greatest distinguishing marks of Israel but that they rested on the Sabbath day. All right. So how does this show that there, our God is different? All right, we have to go all the way back to creation, all back, back to creation. And we want to compare the creation stories of all of those other ancient cultures to the creation story of our God. All right. So, ancient ancient cultures, they, they all have to account for the same things, Okay. How do we get the heavens? How do we get the earth? How do we get the sea? But also, what is the purpose of mankind? What is the purpose of mankind? And all the other ancient cultures, they kind of came to this certain conclusion. And the story goes like this. Okay, so there's, there's the top-notch top gods. Then there's the lesser gods. And the lesser gods, they, they have to do all the work. They have to do all the work. And at some point... There's some ruckus in the heavens. And these gods, they don't want to do the work anymore. And so they start to rebel. They start causing problems. They don't want to grow the food. They don't want to raise the livestock. And so they're complaining to the higher-ups. And finally, the, the smartest and craftiest of the gods decides, you know what? Let's make humanity. Let's make humanity. And you know what? They can be, they can be slave labor for the gods. They can be slave labor for the gods. We'll make them do it. We'll make them work. We'll make them make the food. And then they can sacrifice it to us and we'll be taken care of. All right. That's how, we, that's how kind of mankind naturally thinks about our role before the gods. Is that we work for them. Now our God is different. That when he created, he didn't create it because he needed to. He created because he wanted to. Because he wanted to, to joyously create something that reflected his character. And when he created us, he wanted us to actually enjoy creation and enjoy him. And so he sends us out to, to work, not so that we can feed him, 
but so that we can actually make this creation more beautiful. And then we rest, and we get to enjoy it. We enjoy the benefits of all of this beautiful creation. We enjoy the, the fruits of our labor, and we enjoy our creator, our, our God. Now that's where the Sabbath came from. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now that gets at the, the first purpose of this Sabbath day is to enjoy creation. To enjoy the things that God has created and to enjoy the things that, that we have created in response to God. So it's not just enjoying like trees and plants, things, things untouched by human hands. No, it's enjoying everything that creation has to offer. It's a day of joy. And that's where we don't have this, this slave labor God. We have a God who commands us to enjoy him and enjoy creation. That we've talked about how we're supposed to glorify the name of God and he gives us a way of doing it is that we can actually most glorify him by enjoying him and enjoying the things that he's done. And that's what the Sabbath is for. Now, there's, there's, there's a problem with that because some things get in the way of enjoying this creation and enjoying the rest that we've been offered. That after creation was the fall. Was the fall. And so sin entered in and suddenly... Work wasn't as much fun anymore. That work is toilsome and work is a struggle. And that as much as you may try to make creation beautiful, it just turns ugly again. And as much as you try, try to rest, you're still enslaved. You're still enslaved to sin. You're still enslaved to, to the pressures. You're still enslaved to all of these other gods that demand your attention. And that's where God gives a, a second reason to observe the Sabbath in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, there's actually two versions of the, the Ten Commandments. So there's this Exodus one, which talks about creation. And then there's a Deuteronomy, fourth commandment. And this is what it says. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So Israel was, was under slavery. And so as much as they wanted to enjoy this great rest and be at peace, the Egyptians weren't going to have it. So they had to work every day until God delivered them out of slavery, until he agreed, uh, saved them from, from oppression and from, from toil. And that's where the, the Sabbath takes on a, a second meaning. That it's for enjoying creation and it's for remembering the salvation of our God. That he brought rest when there was no rest. He brought peace where there was no peace. He brought salvation to a people who needed it. Alright. What is the heart of the Sabbath? The heart of the Sabbath is not the negative, to not work. The heart of the Sabbath is to enjoy. To enjoy the rest that is offered to us. 
in salvation and in creation to see the beauty of our God and, and take some time out to do that. To stop and to rest. Alright. So with that heart in mind, well, how do we assess our, our two responses that we often have to the Sabbath day? Alright. The one. The one being this is a commandment. This is an obligation. You need to keep the Sabbath. You cannot work. Or the other, it says that, no, no, we want to be free from this Sabbath. We want to be free from it. We want to work. We, want, we, we don't want to be forced to, to do anything. All right. First, first, they're traditional religious people. All right. The religious crowd has a tendency to take this Sabbath rest and turn it into Sabbath work. They kill the rest part of it and they make it all about the work. Alright, so there's just, uh, there's a word, there's a word here that's used in the Hebrew. That's used in the Hebrew. This commandment says, thou shalt not do, do any work. Don't do any work on that day. And the word, word in the Hebrew there, there is melaka. Now what does that word mean in the Hebrew? It means work. All right, there's nothing special in the Hebrew. All right. <laughs> you guys need to know that. It's a, that's annoying, all right? Uh, it just means work. And it's vague. And that makes, that makes the religious people among us, myself included sometimes, uh, nervous. Because we see this, this commandment. We say, oh, do not do, not do any work. But what, what is work? Define it for me, God. I don't want to break your commandment. I don't want to get, get you upset. And so, all cultures throughout history have tended to make all of these rules. If you go to Israel today, you'll find all these rules. Like, you can't press a button on an elevator. Like, you can't, you can't travel too far. You, should, you have a special setting on your oven that's called Sabbath mode, so that it, like, it kicks in and cooks your meat, your meat that has to be already be in the oven, but you can take it out, because that's okay. You can't put it in, you can't press the on, the on button. All right, there's rules. They make all these rules to protect the people from breaking the Sabbath. All right. If the Sabbath is supposed to be this celebration of, joy, of enjoying creation, of enjoying the things that God has done for us, right, how do you kill a party better than, than giving you a list of a thousand rules of all the things you're not allowed to do? It's silly. And when Jesus comes, Jesus actually comes to save the Sabbath from the religious people. That it's been buried beneath all of this, rules and regulations. And what does Jesus do? Jesus goes and enjoys creation. So he walks with his disciples. They're walking through the field. They're plucking grain as they walk along and popping it in their mouths. They're just, they're just enjoying their time. Now the religious people, they see this and they get mad. No, no, you're not, you're not, allowed, to, you're not allowed to harvest on the Sabbath. You're breaking the rule. What does Jesus say? He says, Man is not made for the Sabbath. The, the Sabbath is made for man. Man is not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for man. Now what is that, the equivalent of that? That's the equivalent of saying, basically saying that it's not like, it's not like 
you were born so that you could celebrate your birthday. No, the birthday was made so that you could celebrate you. The Sabbath wasn't made so that we could obey the Sabbath and so that it could be a heavy weight upon us. It was made to be a blessing and to be a gift. Jesus understands the heart of the Sabbath. All right. In another way, Jesus, Jesus goes and he enjoys the salvation. He remembers the freedom that is given in God. He heals people. He gives them sight. He gives them the ability to walk. He restores illnesses that have been long-standing. He helps people remember the freedom that is offered in Jesus and the grace that is offered in the gospel. Not by, not by avoiding doing something bad, but by giving people greater blessing than they've ever had. All right, that's where, that's where the point is not to avoid the work. The point is to rest and to enjoy it. And so if you want rules for, for how to keep the Sabbath, all right, how do you enjoy creation the most? How do you remember the work of God the best? It's the same rules for any party. All right, when you're thinking, okay, what do we want to do on Christmas? Like, how do we actually want to make it fun? Do that. How do you make the Sabbath good? How do you celebrate it well? Do what you want to do. Enjoy it. Now that sounds overly permissive, and, and it should. It should. But that takes us to the other side. That takes us to the other side. There's the other side, and what they're saying is, well, why should we have to keep this? I want to work. I don't want to rest. Why is God telling me what to do? I, I, know, I know what's best for me. That's the ceremonial law. Jesus has already done the work. He's already kept the commandment, so I, I can just let this one lie. I don't need to keep this commandment. All right, what does that show about our hearts when we're excited to get out from under this Sabbath rest? It's not showing anything good. All right? It's showing that, that when we hear resting and enjoying God, we hear something that, we hear sacrifice and something that we don't actually want to do. Now, that's not a problem with the law. That's a problem with our very hearts. That if, if we receive God's word, as he says, then of all the things we should want to do, it should be to, to rest and enjoy the salvation that's been offered to us. That if we really enjoy God, we shouldn't be jumping at the chance to not spend time with him. Or feel this burden and this weight that, but uh, I, I just want to work. Please, God. There's a great irony in that. That please, please let us work and not rest. All right, so, so why is it so hard for us? Why is it so hard for us? All right, for some of us, we don't actually like rest. We don't like rest. All right, what does it mean if you don't like rest? means there's something wrong with you. All right, good, good. Yes, <laughs> enough said. All right, so uh, 
if you don't like to rest, that means you're worshiping a different kind of God. That you're worshiping one of those gods that won't let you rest. A God that has turned you into slave labor. The God of money. The God of money, he doesn't, he doesn't keep giving you money if you stop. The God of achievement. The God of a really clean house. If you're worshiping those gods, they won't let you stop. And so you're, you're going to receive this commandment as a, as a burden that for, keeps you from worshiping the gods that you love. There's danger here. It's dangerous if you receive this and feel like it's a burden. You're still a slave in Egypt. And you haven't found the salvation yet. All right, there's another thing. All right, another reason we often don't like the Sabbath. We don't actually like people that much. <laughs> all right, uh, all right, so the Sabbath, the Sabbath is, is supposed to be a party. It's a party for the people of God. If you plan a party and no one shows up to your party, you didn't have a party. All right, you failed at trying to throw a party. It never happened. The Sabbath is, is a party for the people of God. And we're supposed to come together. It actually says, okay, you, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, even the, the pets get invited, or your sojourner who is within your gates. That on this one day, all of the stratosphere of people, they all come together and on an equal plane. They're all people created in God's image. They're all people saved by this one God. And their identity is in one Savior, one God, and they worship together. Now, if, we, if we've lifted up our identity, if we refuse to associate with other people, if we're more into all these other categories and not finding our identity in Christ, we're going to hate this Sabbath day. It's going to keep us from enjoying it. But if we, if we love, if we love not just Jesus, but the people of Jesus, and people seeking Jesus, and people curious about Jesus, then this is the place to be. This is a place of, of our family that we want to celebrate with those who also love Jesus. All right, and finally, finally, we won't like this Sabbath rest if we actually don't like God that much. if we don't like God that much. That it says something about our heart if, if we're bored by coming to worship Jesus. And if of all the things we'd like to do, if we had a day off, what do you want to do with it? What do you want to do with your day off? God says that he's the best thing. He's the only thing worth worshiping. He's the best way to spend your time. And if we just long to be out from under that burden, it doesn't show that we're free from sin and we're free from the law. It shows that we're actually more and more burdened than we ever thought we were. That our hearts are, are more enslaved to ourselves than, than we ever thought. All right, and that's where, that's where these two groups, they're actually remarkably similar. So the one group that says, no, you just have to do the law, they don't want to do the law. They don't want to do the law. 
They don't want to do it from their heart. And so they make all these other commandments to help jerry-rig their hearts. To make sure that their hearts don't get out of line so that they keep the commandment. They haven't, they haven't, they've missed the heart of it. And then these other people, they don't want to do the commandment either. They don't want to do it from the heart. But instead of trying to do it through the law, they just say, no, grace. Grace, grace will cover it. I'm just, I'll, we just don't have to do it anymore. And that's where, in both cases, the struggle is not with the Sabbath, the struggle is with our hearts. That we're given something that is a gift, that is a blessing, and our hearts aren't receiving it as that. God doesn't give us commandments to curse us, to burden us. He gives us commandments to bless us. And so, so, how do we change our hearts? How do we change our hearts so that we actually want to, to follow this commandment? Jesus. Jesus. Alright, Jesus gives us true freedom. Jesus gives us true freedom. That for those of you who feel the, the weight of the, the law part of this commandment, the law is satisfied. That Jesus already did all the work. And God isn't up there just waiting for you to, to fulfill your, your duty to him. That Jesus came down and he did the work that he has called us to. And so the burden of this should be lifted. You have freedom before God. You can stand before him. You can worship him. You don't have a debt of no work to be done. All right, likewise, to those of you who feel enslaved to these other gods, you have a God who is with you and who is for you. That your finances are not, are not just in, in your hands alone. That you have, a, you have a father. You have a father who will give you allowance when you need it. That you have a God who actually loves us. And a God who will stand by us and will... If he, if he wants you to rest, and he's asking you to rest, he'll give you the means to rest. He's not going to ask you to, to rest and tell you that, hey, take this great blessing, and then not give you the means to use it. Those other gods, they won't let you rest. But this God who is gracious, gracious in Jesus will. Now, all right. Jesus gives us something better to celebrate. So the Exodus, the Exodus was good. It was a good thing to celebrate. It was exciting. We have something better. We have a reason to celebrate on this Sabbath day. All right, so Jesus. Jesus died. Jesus died. That he came down and he suffered and he was destroyed for our sins. Now we have to remember, we have to remember that the, the weight of our sin is great. That the death that we deserve is incalculable. The suffering that we deserve for our sin is incalculable. That we had the, the weight of death and hell itself upon us. And the thing that we come to celebrate is that Jesus came and took that upon himself and he took it to the grave. That's what we're celebrating today. You've been set free 
that every sin that has been, that you have done willfully or unwillfully, Jesus Christ has paid for. You have freedom. You have freedom from, from punishment. You have freedom from guilt. You have freedom from shame. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he gave you life. He, he, can tell, he can tell you right now that if you are in Christ, you are perfect. You are perfect. Now, how often are you told that? That you are absolutely perfect. You're exactly who you're supposed to be. You are right where you're supposed to be. You are flawless before God. That you are perfectly loved. And that before you are only good things. That before you are, are eternal blessings, is peace and fellowship with God. It is an eternity of joy with him. And that, that cannot be taken away because it wasn't by you, it was by Jesus. You can't work for it, you just need to rest and receive it. That's what we're celebrating today. Now if that doesn't get you to celebrate, and if that's not what you want to hear about each week, then you're crazy. This is the greatest thing you can possibly be told. And Jesus tells it to us week after week and day after day. That we are perfect in him. We are perfectly loved. There are only good things on the horizon and better things and better things to come. That's where we celebrate the good things that happened and we celebrate the good things that are coming. So Jesus is going to come and he's going to bring better rest than we've ever seen. That he's going to come and he's going to restore work. The work, which is all messed up, and this work that we do that just disappears into nothingness. No, from when Christ comes, our work will matter. And everything that we do out there in creation will make it more beautiful. And we'll make it that much more enjoyable when we get our day of rest. And we will rest and we will enjoy creation. And then we'll work more, we'll make it more beautiful, and we'll go out and enjoy it more. Only this is endless cycle of, of ever-increasing joy and beauty and loving creation. In the same way, we're going to be face-to-face -face with God. And week after week, we're going to be learning about him and looking upon his face, beholding his beauty more and his glory more and ever more, ever more for all eternity. We'll get to rest in the joy and beauty of God forever. That's what we're celebrating. That's what we're celebrating. And so, I would ask you to, to trust Jesus. To trust him. That if he actually says that this is, this is a great blessing, try it. Oftentimes we, we hear this and we say, well, but but I don't want to do that. I don't trust that, that the blessing is going to be worth it. And so we give God these like trivial little scraps of the Sabbath. And I, what Jesus is calling us to is that the more we invest in this gift, the more we, we rest and we rejoice, we remember the salvation that's found in him, the more joy we'll find in this day. I've seen that to be true. That the more I've lifted up the Sabbath, the more joy has been found in it. And the more I treat it like any other day, the more it just starts to fall flat.
So try it. Try actually, actually not doing the thing that you like. You know, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to I'm going to focus on just enjoying God and who He is. This is hard because this is the first commandment so far that has something very clear. You can tell if you're working or not. You will know if you're working or not. I'm going to call you to rest. Not because it's a burden, because it's a joy. And that God promises that if you do this, you will find great joy and he will give you the means to do it. Amen? All right. Finally, what, what, is, what is Jesus? He has this great line. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, you know this yoke that has been laid upon us? Eternal joy and enjoying fellowship with him on the Sabbath day and resting from all of our labors. Like, that's, that's not tough. <laughs> his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Like, this is, this is not hard stuff. Let's, let's, let's enjoy Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're not like other gods. And Father, we, we repent and we confess that we have treated you like other gods. We have, we have worked for you and we have received your commandments as burdens and as curses. And Father, that you are a God of blessing and you are a God who promises to give us uh, all of yourself because you want to give us the best of you. And so, uh, Father, would you give us faith to trust that if we rest, uh, you will be our God and you will provide for us that you will give us uh, joy, you will not bore us with your being. Father, would we delight in Jesus? Thank you for the salvation and the perfection that you've given us in him. Would you help us to worship even now on this Sabbath day? In Jesus' name we pray. Was a 
Thank you for Jesus. Father, we thank you that, that you give many commandments there fulfilled in Christ. That he has fulfilled all. And Father, we thank you that we can rest from our labors. That you have given us your commandments now as a means of not getting to you, but, but enjoying you and finding blessings. Thank you for Jesus. Hear now your benediction. May, your may you, excuse me. <laughs> may your speech be found in the, the, the strength of the Spirit. May your faith rest in the power of God. May you resolve to know nothing but one message. May you have nothing but one purpose. To live to reach all people with nothing but Jesus. This Jesus who is a blessing, who is peace, who is rest, who is joy. Amen. There's a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail there's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well 